So hello and welcome to another episode of the MotoGP podcast, Last on the Breaks. First time out live on Twitch with you guys who are joining us now and then also available on the podcast platform of your choice as an audio only. Welcome to another episode, as you can probably see already from the lineup staring you down on the video <laughs> stream if you're with us here. It's a little bit of a different episode today. Welcome, Elliot York, co-host, and welcome, tech guru, Jack Gorst. <laughs> Ah, thank you very much. Yes, thank you for the warm welcome. Far too kind. Uh, firstly, I've got to say that absolutely banging intro music is is fantastic. <laughs> isn't it? Great, isn't it? Elliot saw me throwing very some good. shapes. I was enjoying it. Yeah. I was enjoying yeah, it. Yeah, it was very good. It is um, a good one. It is a Yeah, it's beautiful. So, how are we? How did we enjoy the Jerez GP from a great racing standpoint first, rather than the tech and a few things we're going to dive into? I loved it personally. Yeah, it was very good. Uh, I mean, in terms, of the, in terms of the racing side, it was it was brilliant. Obviously, we didn't quite see the battle we wanted to see with Bagnaia and Cotteraro, but Peko's back, isn't he? So he's back in a big way. Uh, and obviously, the tech side will go into a little bit later. But yeah, the, the racing side was very good from my, my perspective in the office. Elliot, of course, you were at the circuit, so I'm sure it was very good for you as well. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah, it's felt... The first time it's felt like normality is restored with all the fans <laughs> turning up yeah. at seven o'clock in the morning and just seeing the famous Haref Hillside just full of fans was it's one of the moments where you just stood there for five, ten seconds thinking, Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Um yeah, the weekend was awesome in Haref. The atmosphere was incredible. The race, I, I I mean, I think we all enjoyed the race. It wasn't quite the battle, let's say, that we wanted between Peck and Fabio, but it was a good race, wasn't it? I enjoyed the. I do, I do kind of love one like that there every now and then, like a high speed chess match, and it's still yeah, you still yeah, got the tension because sure. it's like, oh, is he going to get there? Uh, so yeah. we didn't get the you know maybe more Marquez Dovi style final corner grandstand finish, but um, I really <laughs> yeah, enjoyed it, and it also there. I think it was. <laughs> not quite the Moto Three style finish, certainly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it was it was a great race, and Pecco was back. Pecco was back, so it's an interesting one in the championship now. Um, but yeah, what a, a, anything else we want to cover from the more fun side of life until we get into a few? Like we said, we're going to take a look through each factory because we did have the Jerez test after the Grand Prix weekend. But what else have we got to to cover first? A bit of Aaron Canet. We said we wanted to mention that. Yeah, I mean Aaron, incredible ride, really. Uh, I mean, you know, breaking that wrist and having surgery on Monday and coming back and just you know, no pressure on his shoulders, comes in and, you know, qualifies well and then goes second in the race and runs the winner all the way to the end. Pretty unreal, to be honest. You know, you saw it in Park Fermi at the end, how destroyed he was. Uh, you can only imagine how painful that must have been. Yeah, It was like sure. a Lorenzo I mean, like... Aston ride, wasn't it? Exactly, right. Day, I think he said like... in the in the post-race press conference, he, someone asked him, like, was this better or was Lorenzo Aston better? And he was like, <clears> I think I was better. <laughs> so I enjoyed the confidence of that. Um, but yeah, what he is annoying, though, having... Go on. Sorry to put in there. What is annoying, though, is we still don't know what the bow tie is about. I know. We're going to find out sooner. It was a bit heartbreaking being like Tony Arbolino in third, made him winner. Today on the top step, Ayagura made him winner. Yeah. And still in 2022... Aaron Connett's still looking for that maiden win in Moto2, of course, for Ayagura's first win in any Grand Prix class. Um, yeah. But um, Arbelina and Connett have won in Moto3 before this season, so it's like, come on, guys. 
come on, we're gonna we're gonna get there eventually. But it was incredible how he still managed to get a podium, second fastest man in the world on that machinery on that day, despite having a basically destroyed wrist and uh, well, yeah, and yeah, One still arm. taking that podium. <laughs> a yeah, little bit extreme but yeah because he said as well like often happens when you've got that injury on one side he's compensating so much then with the right arm i think it is that's okay uh, yeah. then he got arm pump in the right side of <laughs> on like towards the end of the race so it started off painkillers on the left everything's okay and then eventually it's like okay both my arms now hurt quite a lot <laughs> but uh, made it to the end really impressive stuff from him and uh yeah i think as we will have in the poll on this week's episode another highlight moment was the ethan Guevara final corner overtaken meta three what do we make of that elliot i think we were watching that together were we not and we we're both like um... oh Oh, no, it was MetaGP when no, we were stressing over Fabio yeah, and yeah. Peko, yeah. <laughs> well, I need, I need to say a big thank you to Guevara, Gura and Peko because <laughs> we have a little bet in the office, don't we, between some of us. You're not involved, Fran, I know, but me, Jack and a Thanks. few of the lads are. And, oh. <laughs> um, I won, won a fair amount of money because we guess always, every week we guess the three winners and it's obviously quite difficult. There's only been... Well, how long we're we doing it, Jack? I think three years now, and there's been three yeah. winners. Um, Something like I've that. won it twice, um, and then Lewis Sudeby has won it once. Just thought I'd just get that in there just to wind oh, up. Okay, a little bit more. I was I was really supporting you because I was like, oh, this would be amazing if you won it. But I didn't realise yeah. you'd already won it before. Well, I, was, I won it a couple of years ago. It's been camp. a while, so oh. Lewis won it oh. last year. I think he won a yeah very towards the end of money. last year. I think um, so. We didn't want him to win it twice in a row but uh yeah i just thought i just thought i'd get that in there i mean i just didn't want either to in. win it to be honest i wanted to win it but <laughs> i chose <laughs> like three wrongs so <laughs> didn't go too well who did me. you choose for meta three did you choose garcia i think i can't remember who i chose i, I might have been garcia actually yes yeah it was garcia i thought but... the final corner at Jerez. i put it in the preview i was like if there's any corner mean for a sergio garcia final lap move it's Jerez. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but it, yeah. and he did make one. It's just that someone else right <laughs> round the outside yeah. of all of it. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was pretty spectacular, wasn't it? Yeah, right. It was. Shall we? I think if we've got the poll underway for you guys who are joining us on Twitch to let us know what you thought was your moment of the Hareth GP, because um, a couple of them we will cover again in a minute. Shall we go into our tech debrief? Because we do have. Our dear friend, Mr. Gorst, here joining us for that very purpose. Uh, the person who gets so much spam from me at the end of a test day, being like, <laughs> is this this? Is this this? Because I'm not the best at tech. There's plenty of things. If you ask me where something is in the rule, I'll be like, oh, it's this article. Uh, tech, give yourself credit. No, you're not bad. Not my fourth right. day. I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah, where should we start? <laughs> we said before when we had our little pre-podcast huddle, we were going to start with Ducati as they were the race yeah. winners with Peko. So yeah. take it away, Gosto. What? Uh, what? Yeah. What? Well, I mean, <laughs> as, a very as we weekend. know, you know, Peko <laughs> is back, isn't he? And the biggest topic is kind of in this struggle between when are we really going to see him click with a GP22? And it's you know it's taken them a little bit of time. Obviously, we were at round six already, and he's just picked up his first win. Um, but now it's it seems that though they went back to the Porta, the 2021 settings in Portimao. And obviously, it's like, you know, slipping into a comfy pair of slippers, you know, he's, he's gelled with it straight away again. Um, so it seems to be the key. Yeah, he's gone back to the 2021 setting, something he knows. And now he's got the time to 
get back to it, get used to it, and now it's all just clicking. And it's just going to, you know, if it turns into the Peko of last year, these wins and podiums are going to come thick and fast. Um, so really, that's like that's kind of been the key. There's nothing that's really changed. Obviously, the reason why they took so long to get up to speed anyway was because of the new engine and all the changes and questions about that. Obviously, the factory guys resorted back to a halfway house kind of 2021-2022 engine spec, but the Pramac boys haven't. And then you hear Johan Zarco yesterday in his debrief after the test, um, you know, still mentioning that he doesn't have the confidence in the rear end of the bike to be able to, you know, really crack on the gas uh, confidently enough. And that's been the the real big kind of talking point and the turning point that Peko's made. He's, he's got the front end feeling he wants, and now he's happy enough with the rear and it's just, it's all go from here. It's always an interesting one, isn't it, with the sort of independent teams and then the factory bikes, because, for example, KTM seem to be much more, it's like, basically, we have four factory bikes on the grid. With Ducati, though, there's a couple of different specs, and especially at the start of the season, straight out of the box in Qatar, obviously, Anea Bastianini, incredible ride from him as a rider, but also that bike was just absolutely class. It was the class of the field in the last yeah. few races of last season. But we've seen it with Johan Zarco, especially over the past couple of seasons, where it's like it seems like he's fighting for the championship throughout that first part of the year and then just seems to tail off a little bit as the kind of official factory teams get that little bit more development or input and kind of the new bike comes along. But what do you think we're going to see now from kind of Peko, certainly, and the GP22 if they have got it kind of sorted and on the right track? Well, it's kind of a difficult question to ask, like what we're going to see, because you know, really, you don't know. I know that's why I'm asking you. Continue. So, really, I mean, the biggest thing with Peko is we knew that from last year, once it clicked, it stayed clicked. It never, it never got worse, and it and it never really, you know, looked like it was going to stop the ball rolling. So, I think now that he's clicked round six, we have so many races left to go. You know, unless something happens with Peko where they make some more changes and they get lost again. I think really it's going to be fine. But the biggest thing is for the guys like Zarco and Martin, obviously Martin at the moment has admitted that he's riding a little bit kind of stressed with things for next year and its future. Um, but if they can just tame the beast that is the GP22 engine, like they're going to be fine and they'll you know, slowly progress and get better and better as, as they go along. Um, and you say for Bastianini, because it's the opposite thing, he has a complete finished article. You know, he won't, receive any updates although he is receiving the 22 fairing as he tested on monday um and he said himself you know if i had to choose now to race one i would choose the new one because he felt that it was better but yeah i forgot that actually sorry he did get that update didn't he literally on monday he did but (laughs) you know it's like that's just a a small thing whereas the factory guys are going to constantly throughout the year receive more updates and all the fresh ideas from the cat you're going to go to them first so really it's these guys on the 22 bikes where the potential is you know much higher and bastianini even though his potential is high for what he's going to do i mean he's already won two races the only double winner sorry now fabio um Uh, not Fabio, actually. Fecco one. But, you know, it's just that Bastianini's level is going to be limited by his machinery compared to the, the 22 guys. I think, we've, yeah. um, I think we're seeing now, or we're going to see that Pecco for the rest of the season, in my opinion. I think he's found his sweet spot with the Ducati. It's taken them a while. He's, I think they said they've stopped trying to adapt the bike to Peko and instead Peko's adapting himself 
to the bike um, and to beat Fabio in her F like he did with Fabio right on his tail for the whole race, not make a mistake. Yeah, that was that was pretty special. So I think we're now going to see the Peko that um, we saw in the second half of 2021 and really start to yeah. mount a championship charge. I said it seems like ages since he won, but I actually said to his sister when I saw her outside the media centre, I was like, this is when you know a rider is really very, very good that a few months feels like a drought of a century. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he's like, he's back on top. And yeah, for sure, I imagine we're going to see more of certainly that similar form and fighting for the podium again. Um, maybe it's not going to be the same situation at every track, but it's an interesting one. We do also have a question in the chat for those of you live with us on Twitch. So I propose, guys, if we can switch from the proposed order of Yamaha Aprilia, we'll go to Aprilia first instead. <laughs> because Sunny Kim has asked, what does Aprilia need to get their start sorted out? So the RSGP, great bike this season, it seems. Leaner, more agile. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is what is that kind of issue? Because it seems like Alesh also didn't have the greatest launch, and also mentioned that along with Maverick, of course, who still had yeah. those issues in the first few laps. Yeah. So from the the sounds of what Alesh has said, essentially it's down to the clutch, and they tested a new clutch on Monday um, at the ref test. And I think Salvadori has also had it for a while, so it's been you know a labour of his work to to get this new clutch in. And Alesh said, yeah, it was it was better, and it was uh, improvement. But obviously, you know, there's so much that goes into the starts now that the clutch is a massive thing because obviously, you know, the clutch is the thing that holds the bike while you're, you know, you've got it full gas on on the uh, on the launch limiter. But the other thing is those whole shot devices with both front and rear. And we know that from the start, the Aprilias, when the whole shot devices front and rear came in, they were the ones that kind of had it nailed and dialed like straight from the off. So really the key for them now is just that clutch. And... I guess the the new clutch has been approved by Alation Monday, so we'll probably see it in the bike for Le Mans. We go to France next weekend, and you know, hopefully their starts will be a lot better. I think it was impressive. Just side note on that, that Aprilia were one of the first to kind of get that nailed, uh, yeah. because certainly, obviously, the Piaggio Group is absolutely huge, but the Aprilia MotoGP team is one of the smaller crews. Uh, so it was an impressive feat to just get that. And I guess, yeah, I mean, we saw another great little Aleish Mark Marquez uh, frisson off the line, didn't we, in Jerez? <laughs> Nothing yep. too over the limit, but we've seen a few of those already. Was it Austria last year where Mark did it twice? Yeah, Austria. Yeah, right, yeah. Both restarts, it's just like, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> nothing nothing too spicy, I would say. Certainly, it would, they didn't get a penalty. So, um, But yeah, okay, so... Aprilia in general, though, it's real, isn't it now? It's like it's performed at so many different tracks. It's had podiums, it's had that win, and they've lost concessions. What does that mean for the beginners listening? Uh, Well, strictly, it's essentially, it's like kind of MotoGP's almost like help package. Essentially what it means is... Sorry, I'm like basically making you Mike Webb right here. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Just the short version. I'm sure Mike knows a lot more than me, so you'll have to be modest with me. But um, (laughs) essentially it's like MotoGP's kind of help package to get manufacturers that are struggling, not struggling is a harsh word, but that are just slightly behind the others in terms of their competitiveness level so they get more engines i think they get nine compared to seven and they also get free reign on being able to upgrade that engine whenever they like throughout the year which is something that the ones without concessions don't get to do they have to have the 
a sealed uh, engine spec from the start of the year, and that's what they have to run until the following season. Um, and then the other thing is opens up to test days. The official riders can do as many test days as they like compared to for non-concession where it's uh, limited just to the official test days that Merch GP put on, which is actually shrinking for next year. Uh, at the end of this season, there'll only be one day of official testing, and then the start of next year, I think there's two three-day official tests, uh, if I'm not right. But you can search on MetGP.com anyway. So really, yeah, that it, was it, in it... the latest Grand Prix commission, wasn't it? Just exactly. on yeah. when was that? Tuesday, Thursday? I think so. Last week. Like All merged <laughs> into one week, day, sure. <laughs> But really, for Prilia, like you know. Do they even need the concessions anymore? Probably not, because the bike looks incredible and Elation and Maverick's slowly getting better as well. So, you know, it's... it's yeah, I I had the honour, due to the time schedule, keeping Bertie in the commentary box in Portimao of doing that MotoGP press conference. And obviously I had to ask about it because that at that point there were like one more on the verge. And Elation's literally like, I don't want them. I, I'm happy if we lose them because uh, I think now he really does feel that they can compete on completely equal terms with everyone else on the grid and he doesn't yep. even want to have that as anything that anyone could say as a reason why you know they're getting the results that they are so yeah it's uh, good times for Aprilia it's great to see them up at the front yeah definitely I mean I think we can definitely call Alicia a title contender um, not sure he'll go all the way to be honest especially with Peko bouncing back the way it is and Fabio's form at the minute but like Jack says and like you say Fran the bike's one of the best on the grid probably just behind the Ducati you'd say maybe um because we've been to six rounds now and Alicia's been uh faster every single one different tracks different conditions he's always up there so yeah, it's it's good to see. He said he had a quite a frustrating race stood behind uh, Mark and Jack for pretty much the whole race. <laughs> he was race definitely then... faster, wasn't he? But, but that's, yeah. that's it would have been interesting if he got and not start. a time trial. <laughs> yeah, it would have been interesting <laughs> yeah, um, if he'd got the start, got ahead of, well, kept his position because he was third on the grid, wasn't he? It would have been interesting to see how close he would have been to Pecco and Fabio. I don't think he had their pace, but he probably would have been a little bit closer because he did pull a gap on Mark and Jack pretty much straight away, didn't he? So, uh, yeah, yeah, another strong Mark podium. Said, didn't he? He was like, yeah. I knew that Alicia was faster, so he was basically just trying to get in his way. Um, <laughs> so, you yeah. Know. Well, that's racing for you, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it's good to see. I mean, I think we can all agree we want to see Maverick up there challenging where Alicia is. He just needs to sort qualifying and those starts out because as soon as you drop to I think he dropped to 20th didn't he in her F and as soon as you drop down there it's just pretty much impossible to claw your way back it's up a to bit of an awkward one so. as well isn't it because he's like he's had this problem as well on the Yamaha so it seems undoubtedly the Aprilia mm. obviously has also not been the greatest bike to be on for that first launch off the line it's also you know that's a similar problem to what you've seen on him from other machinery so maybe it seems a combination of factors rather than simply one or the other um but shall we should we go back to yamaha then we see a couple of questions in the chat about mark marquez and ktm we'll get to those don't worry um yeah. if we go to yamaha uh, a factory of one at the moment <laughs> it would seem <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a difficult season so far for those who aren't fabio isn't it yeah, just a touch. Um, I mean, Fabio is obviously 
riding out of his skin, has learned how to ride that Yamaha in a way that it seems no one else really can. Uh, I mean, when you see Franco Morbidelli struggling so much and Fabio doing so well, it's it's going to raise questions because Franco finished second in the championship in 2020 and is an incredible rider, motor world champion. You know, everyone talks about him, how he has this unique feeling with the bike and can sense very tiny changes. Um, but he's, you know, I don't want to be harsh, but in comparison, he's really, really struggling compared to, to Fabio. And it's not just him, it's Dovi and also Darren Binder has been saying the same complaints as the other two. Uh, and when Darren's getting on it as a rookie and can notice the same complaints, then it must be a, a thing that's, you know, not just unique to one person. Um, so it's it's a real struggle. And it's it's kind of unique and very interesting to hear the words that Dovi has said recently and the words that Quattararo has said recently, that Fabio is just pushing for more power, more power, more power. And Dovi has said, I understand why Fabio says that, but he hasn't ridden other bikes and he doesn't understand that there's a lack of rear grip here, according to Dovi. So it's like, you know, what do you do with a world champion and the man that's winning you races asking for one thing, but you have three other riders with Dovi, who's incredibly experienced, the most experienced guy on the grid now. Uh, and he's saying, I understand, but trust me, this is the way. So what what do you do in that it's scenario? Interesting, isn't it? I Sounds think Fabio said as well in that, yeah, in that press conference, he said like, Yes, we need rear grip, but if you ask everyone on the grid what you need, they'll say rear grip because that's what yeah. helps you go faster. But for yeah. me, all of the other problems on the bike come from the lack of top speed, which yeah. was interesting in Portimao because obviously he was <clears> nailing <throat> that final corner so well to get that run onto the main straight, which isn't that long, and it's not a slow corner coming onto it. Obviously, didn't feel yeah. that deficit so much. But it is, it's an interesting one, isn't it? And it's also difficult because it's like, well, obviously, Fabio is the reigning world champion with that factory. Obviously, they want to do anything to keep him. But it's also such a risk if you are putting so many cards on the exactly. table for that one person. If you don't end up keeping him, then what do you do? Because I think, who was it? So Was it Randy Mamola called him the Blue Marquez with Bertie <laughs> and, uh, and Lewis Randy's on commentary? Wise. And it's like, it's... It's kind of a similar situation now, isn't it? Almost so, bit of a bit of a tough one. It's yeah, the exact it, it same a... situation, I'd say. Yeah, the exact same. He's gone for it. He's gone for it. <laughs> well, it, it, it is like it's like the on the riders. Okay, on occasions we saw Cal Crutchlow able to win on the bike, but um, yeah, Frankie and Dovi and Darren are just nowhere near Fabio's level at the minute. And listening to a couple of in-person debriefs over the weekend you could tell Dovizioso is a little bit fed up let's say a bit yeah. frustrated Frankie came across as a bit frustrated as well as as you would be because obviously they're much better than finishing just outside the points or just in the points but when you're half a second or even less nowadays off the pace that's where you end up you end up either just scraping some points or outside the points so yeah they're frustrated which is understandable but yeah, like you say, what do Yamaha do? Do they focus on the struggles of their riders or do they focus that Fabio's racing the wheels off it, running, winning races and leading the championship? It's difficult, isn't it? Yeah, it is very difficult. And if like we get technical about it for a second, really, you know, at the moment, Yamaha can't do anything about the, the power because they have to run that engine spec for the year. So there's not going to be any power increase anytime soon. Um, obviously, behind the scenes, they'll be developing it for next season, but that's next year. It's no use now. Uh, 
So what are they actually doing? Well, I mean, all they can do then is is go after rear grip. But it's interesting, in Dovi's comments, he's said explicitly that whatever they do now, setting-wise, it's not going to find them more grip. They have to make a more fundamental change. And for that, for Yamaha, it's always been something that is not a no-go. They've, they've made big changes in the past, but it's this kind of philosophy of slow incremental changes to get to the perfect bike. And that has always been Yamaha's way. So on Monday, we saw they had a new swing arm, which is the first time they've brought a new swing arm in a long time, apart from the carbon one that they tried uh, a couple of years ago that kind of only Morbidelli was using. Um, but this new swing arm is like a small change to kind of the bracing around it on the left-hand side of it. Um, and really, that's... Wait, she showed us and I could yes. actually see the difference in the yeah, picture. Yeah, you did. I was, yeah, I was very impressed because it's a small change. It's not that big. But, you know, it's it's changing a swing arm when and it's a small change like it's not a completely different design of swing arm it's just an evolution so you know does it work does it not fabio said that it felt slightly better but then he admitted that in le mans he's still going to use the old one anyway so it can't be that much of a change and then i think also frankie has said that he didn't really feel a massive difference and certainly not enough for what he feels he needs for the bike so you know, Yamaha now, they can only work on rear grip. Uh, and if they're making changes, small changes, and it's still not working, then as Dovi is pointing out, he wants a, to see a fundamental change. But, you know, those did, sorts of things have to be pre-planned and they take months. Did Maya Muragali, also the team manager of the Monster Energy team, obviously, did he say that they were bringing a new aero fairing? Possibly yeah, to correct. Vigello, or did I dream this? Yes. No, you didn't dream that. If you were dreaming about Mayo <laughs> and Aero fairings, you dreamed a bit off. Honestly, no. Last night I had a dream that I had to go to a Q and A at the VIP Village with Anea Bastianini, but something had happened, and we were both trapped like outside the paddock, and they wouldn't let us in because they were like, "This pass isn't valid." <laughs> so <laughs> apparently, I have really geeky dreams. <laughs> yeah, interesting dream. Yeah, that's not well, the most I... exciting dream in the world, is it? <laughs> Just like, no, <laughs> not really. Um, but yes, no, you are correct. I didn't dream it. Maya did admit, yes, they're bringing a new aero fairing to Mugello. Uh, and the whole idea is less drag, less downforce, so they can be a bit more slippery through the air, a bit more higher top speed. So the, those fast tracks where they're not accelerating from low speeds to really high speeds in a short amount of time, but they don't need as much downforce, then they can get away with running less downforce and it gives them a bit more top speed on the straight so you don't see Yamahas get absolutely blitzed by Ducatis and KTMs and all sorts. I was worried what you were saying when you started the word with a B then, but blitz is fine. Keep <laughs> <laughs> it PG. So, shall we... <laughs> Shall we shall we do the Mark Marquez chat then? Because in our yeah. poll, we had the best moment of the Grand Prix, which was Marquez a save, Pecco's win, Pecco was back. Uh, then the Guevara final corner overtaken meta three, or Canet's incredible ride to the podium. And it's Marquez a save, of course, that won the vote because it was a pretty... Well, I mean, a couple of years ago, or three, four years ago, it would have been like, oh, classic Mark. But now it's a seriously good sign that he was able to save that and that he was able to fight for the podium. All right, he didn't ha quite have the pace of Alesh in the end, but he was in the battle for it, despite having said himself the day before that maybe he was going to be between sort of fifth and tenth. So what do we think of Mark's save? What does it mean? Honda, he's the lead Honda again. Portimao is all different again in Jerez. What do we make of it? <laughs> Go. <laughs> Who's you going to tackle this, Elliot? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, the sa- let's talk about the save. Um, he did say, didn't he? He admitted that if that was on his right-hand side, the arm that he broke, he probably wouldn't have saved it. But yeah, it was still still pretty cool to see him pick it up and finish just off the podium. Um, I spoke to him after qualifying and I said, given the circumstances, fifth is a really good result. And he said, no, it's the best result. Um, and he said he wasn't going to be anywhere near the podium fight, but you sort of knew deep down that he probably would be because it's Mark Marquez and yeah. he's just able to grind out results no matter what the circumstances is. So um, it's not where he wants to be, of course, but it was a really, really good ride from Mark and Honda are struggling a bit, aren't they? So, um, yeah. This is what, what we were saying, Jack? wasn't it? That the whole point of the new bike was to make it rideable for everyone, but there's yes. still <laughs> one rider who is getting more out of it at the moment. Yeah, he's definitely getting more out of it. And on the whole thing of it, you know, this new bike to be more rideable for everyone, it absolutely is. Even though it's not the bike they want it to be right now, it absolutely is. You look at the amount of times that Honda riders are having crashes, and it's a lot less compared to last year with the old bike. But the whole point of this new bike was that they, you know, they were trying to find rear grip and they found it at the start of the year. You know, it looked brilliant. Pole looked amazing on the bike and just gelled with it instantly. Uh, Mark was taking a little bit more time to get with it, but he said, you know, this is the bike that, you know, has the potential to get us back to the top. And then you arrive to Portimao and all of a sudden we're hearing that they've got no rear grip on the entrance of the corner. There's no rear grip. Through the corner, they can't turn because they don't have rear grip. And on the exit, it's just not hooking up and going because there's no rear grip. So what happened with the rear grip? And this is the million-dollar question that right now Honda are trying to figure out. Uh, And, you know, Honda, classic Honda, they are going to figure it out and they're going to, you know, come back to the top at some point. And already they're working on it. We saw at the test that Mark had a couple of different aero fairings to try and change the balance of the bike. Uh, ones with a little bit less downforce we think um, and then Paul as well was trying a lot more radical setups and was trying to simulate a low grip scenario with you know heavily worn tires and he said that by the end of the test on Monday they had made a lot more progress with actually uh, traction out the corner so you know there's already progress from Honda they will get to the bottom of it I have no doubt but you know they, there's going to be so many questions with a new bike because this bike is only six races old you know if you think of Ducati when they arrived in 2015 with their brand new bike after a complete revolution you know how long did it take them before they even won with that bike it took them over a year and a half and it was was it 2016 Ian in uh, Austria Ian in Austria wasn't it yeah yeah and it was a similar story you know they came and out with that, that one new bike. track as well yeah exactly and they came with the new bike to Qatar got on the podium Honda came with a new bike to Qatar, got on the podium, and then they had struggles. So it's not really a story that should surprise, but it is surprising as well because we all looked at this bike and went, wow, like what a weapon. It's it's going to be kind of world domination for Honda in 2022, but it hasn't seemed to work out that way so far. We're not okay, Elliot. <laughs> I, just I was waiting you for you as chat, well. I've not seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Don't worry, everyone. It's not a technical problem like last week when my headphones just turned off. Um, so, uh, or when was it Joe Roberts just disconnected off the call? Yeah, we had that um, issue last week, didn't 
Portugal internet problems. Uh, so yeah, Hacky789 asked, did you see Mark Marquez but uncomfortable on the bike at the same time? So I guess it means like Marquez style, but also maybe not yeah. looking as comfortable as he did before. But do we think that's because of the bike not being the same as it was before? Or also, I think he said to our colleague Itaskun at Dazone, he was like, it's a general issue at the moment, but including the rider. The, the rider, as in himself, is also not getting the maximum out of the package. What do we think about that? Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's yeah, it's a bit of both, really. I mean, Mark's definitely not 100% fit still. He's probably not far off, but the arm's still obviously not what it was. The bike isn't the bike he's been used to riding. Obviously, the Indonesia crash um, didn't break any bones or anything, but that was about as big as it gets without... Um, breaking anything so Mark's definitely not 100% fit and the bike isn't where he wants it to be so he's naturally going to look probably a bit more uncomfortable and um, not as fast as he wants to be but yeah I think yeah I think um, I think it's a bit of both really because yeah the bike's not there yet Mark's not there yet but like Jack says I think they'll get there for sure. How long? We don't know, but it's Honda. So, um, yeah, I they'll think... They'll be hoping a I, little bit less than Ducati, I think. Yes. Uh, given yeah. I, I think later in the year... The world. <laughs> I think later in the year we're going to see Mark winning races and challenging for race wins. It's just... I mean, yeah, I think we're going to see Mark there. winning races in Germany, to be honest. Because he's yeah, well, so far on the left. Yeah. He is incredible there. And I mean, the, the one thing that we know about Mark is that you know, he's only ever ridden Hondas, right? And he's ridden this particular style of Honda since he came into MotoGP. And then all of a sudden you change the bike and, you know, everything he's learned has been thrown out the window. So really he's starting from fresh. And what we know about Mark is that his, like, alien front-end powers were the key to his domination throughout much of the 2010s, you know. He had this incredible feeling with the front-end. We've all seen the saves that have millions and millions of views. <laughs> And all of a sudden, he's now riding a bike which doesn't have the same front-end feeling. It's going to cause some problems for a while while he figures it out. And on the thing of, is he getting the most out of the bike? He's admitted it himself that he that he's not, you know. So it's it's just going to take time. Like, as with everything in MotoGP, it just takes time to get used to it, figure it out, and then really apply yourself to that bike. Yeah, for sure. Um, so quick answer to a question asked by Plain Ugly hope that wasn't a comment on us thanks <laughs> uh is the amount of engines bound to each rider or a pool for all riders of the factory team it is per rider um so that's a nice quick easy answer and then nice segue from gamestopper 0734 what does ktm need to be competitive for the rest of the season i'm sure matty kofen would love to know the answer to that question <laughs> Jack, <laughs> what did we see at the exhaust? Because we did have a meme that we promised that we were going to do, and I will commit. We saw an incredible new exhaust briefly on show yeah. on Monday in Jerez on the KTMs. What are they looking for? Uh, and, yeah, what do we make of it at the moment? Because it's been a tougher season so far, with a few highlights and impressive rides, yeah. but tougher grind so far. I mean, I think they'll agree with me saying that this season has been kind of classic KTM. Incredible speed at times and then also they have these periods where they just struggle where we go to tracks which just play on the weaknesses of their bike. Um, and at the moment we know that the weakness 
particularly the last weekend in Jerez, was the fact that they were struggling to get the bike stopped and then they didn't have the grip in the corner to get it turned. And if you can't get it turned in the middle of the corner, then you have to wait later to get on the gas and then you just lose, lose everywhere and it's a nightmare. Um, so what are they really trying to do with the exhausts? Obviously, I don't know. I'm not a, a qualified engineer, but I can give a good guess from what we've heard about Ducati that tried a similar sort of thing. We know that the big long didgeridoo exhaust as it was termed by jack miller which See, we've we've named the, name. the ktm i believe we've named it the swan yes we that was the immediate picture yeah. that we yeah. all sent in the in the group yeah. chat that we have but yeah so didgeridoo versus swan sorry please continue so the didgeridoo <laughs> and the swan what we think they're trying to do is it's all to do with kind of smoothing off the power delivery and making it a bit more friendly and so they can essentially it's to try and help get out the corner well we know that they're struggling from a lack of rear grip and that's why we see in hot conditions they don't suffer as much as others because when it's hot everyone loses rear grip and it kind of levels that playing field out um but the didgeridoo exhaust we think is just to kind of give them a little bit of a smoother kind of hit on initial throttle so they can use that power better and just get out the corner better but as we said binder has you know spoken about the exhaust that he tried on monday and he said that he didn't feel a massive amount of change he didn't say what he felt obviously these are my gp riders they never tell us anything for free um but he did say he liked the way it sounded so i guess that's always a good thing because the, the looks are a little bit questionable <laughs> <laughs> um did Oliveira say that he tried it and he wasn't going to try it again i think I it was think, the uh... yeah i think he was a bit more dismissive so... of it yes yeah um well that's that then uh, so but yeah it was question it's a hard question to answer what i was they gonna need. say yeah <laughs> what they um, need yeah I, I mean we know that the ktm binder has constantly said about it that the biggest problem is they're constantly on the limit with the front end and they don't have that margin for error to be able to really push and get the most out of it and then also just to be consistent with it um and this has been a thing of the ktm if you know and we've watched KTM over the last few years. We know that they always go or try to go for the hard front tire when it's available because they need that support from the harder construction to hold the bike up and, you know, they can push into it rather than having the soft tire and it just feels like mushy on the front. So, you know, KTM, whatever tire. they, yeah, mushy basically, uh, whatever KTM need to do to fix that. I mean, they're going through that now. I mean, we know what KTM are like. They bring a million and one parts to every test and have a million and one ideas. And, you know, we've seen them go from 2017 to joining MotoGP and being way at the back to now. It's not a surprise when they win a race. So they're, they're going to figure it out quickly. And it's only a, a matter of time. It's the same with Honda, you know. It's a matter of time before they figure it out. It is pretty amazing as well. That in... Yeah, sorry, go on. I think it's a good point. And it's also a reminder that KTM the youngest brand on the grid by quite a substantial margin so we've seen them win races and get podiums so i think our expectations of their bike might be a little bit overhyped sometimes and we expect more than maybe not what they're capable of because we know what they're capable of but obviously the the bike's very young and they're competing against the likes of honda and yamaha who've had well honda's obviously got a new bike but they've been in the motor gp paddock for decades so yeah, KTM will definitely get there. It's just a little bit of a struggle at the minute, isn't it? We've seen obviously Oliveira win races and Brad Binder working some magic at times. Um, but yeah, it's 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 the classic MotoGP at this point. 
that we're at, a couple of attempts just cost you way more than it did five years ago. So, yeah, I think, like Jack says, they're obviously trying to get to the bottom of the issues. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see KTM at the front at some point this year again, I'm sure. Yeah, and we should also give a bit of a shout out to Brad Binder because uh, it was an incredible run of point <laughs> scoring that he was on before that crash in Portimao and just always gets the most out of it. It seems to do yeah. the kind of the Casey Stoner old school thing where it's like when he's sat on the grid, it's like, well, this is what I'm sat on. So this <laughs> is what I've got to work with. Yeah. And I'm going to take it to the best possible position in this race. And then afterwards, we're going to deal with what we need to talk about to try and work those problems out longer term, rather than sat there thinking, well, this is not going to go this way and this is not going to go this way. I think it's, I don't know, he just seems to have that mentality, uh, maybe a little bit more at the moment. Although obviously, Oliveira, that incredible wet weather win, we've seen him have some incredible races in the dry as well last year, uh, where he really had Brad's number. Um, but yeah, it's, I guess it's a bit of a weirder, difficult situation as well with two rookies um, on the Tech Trois machines, but we shall see. Um, but yeah, okay, time is rushing on. We should speak about Suzuki. Yes. So obviously in the headlines for different reasons at the moment, but in terms of the test tech that we saw, we they're always a little bit kind of under the radar, aren't they, Suzuki? Both in yeah. terms of how they've won what they've won recently and their way to the podium it's normally like the gentle fade in of jaws music as the race goes on <laughs> but uh so far in 2022 it's going pretty well very consistent but what do we think what are they looking for now because they seem to have lost that advantage so to speak uh of the tire wear and now we're not yeah. seeing them able to quite make that progress in the latter half of the race that seemed like their calling card yeah the they definitely, I think more so last year, they missed that strength, absolutely. Uh, obviously, this year they brought the new engine and it allowed them kind of, you know, to tone it back a couple of percent through the corners to be able to get some of that tyre life advantage back. And they have got it back a little bit this year. We've seen some of the charges late in the race from Rins and Mir as well when he was charging through a couple of races ago. Um, and Rins so just casually kind of... doing the, like, 20-whatever oh. fourth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, incredible. Like, that was insane. A ridiculous ride. But really, it's... I mean, w when we talk about it, the scenarios they're being put in with, you know, like, last weekend, Rins was... He qualified 14th and then went backwards off the start, opposite to what he did in Portimao. And then, you know, when you qualify badly, it's never going to go well for you. Um, so really, it's kind of that thing of that they just need to sort their qualifying out to be able to have a, you know, the championship challenge we know they can put on. Uh, but how do you sort of qualifying? So, you know, they've tried <laughs> countless things. We know that Mir now is running a different swing arm to Rins. Uh, I think Alex has tried it, but he's gone to stick with the, the older one. Um, but, you know, it doesn't really seem that there's one piece of the puzzle that Suzuki need just to slot it in. It's, it's almost like they're missing a tiny little bit everywhere. Um, you know, they look incredible in free practice. I mean, over the weekends, Mir looks insane consistency and lap times were great and everyone went into that race thinking okay top three guys are Peko, Fabio and Johan uh, and then it didn't work out like that because of his qualifying you know it's kind of not the result we expected to see um, and it's interesting as well because at the test they were working on trying to keep the front tire temperature down same problem as Yamaha 
and also they were struggling for braking. Alex Rins had said that all weekend. He was just struggling with a bit of feeling going into the corner, just a bit of confidence. So it's it's a difficult one for Suzuki in terms of the bike, but we know it's incredible in the race. It's just that qualifying lap time that they're missing, those couple of attempts, it's really hindering them. I saw a tweet from um, Frankie Carcetti, the, obviously Joe Amir's crew chief. He was speaking to Simon Crayfar before the weekend. I think they do the MSMA interviews uh, on a Thursday morning. And he basically said in Haref especially, Q2 is the most important session while well, qualifying is the most important yeah. couple of sessions of the weekend because Haref's such a difficult place to try and overtake. And if you don't get a decent start or if you're not starting on the front two rows and make up some ground, then it just becomes incredibly difficult. Like Aleish, like he didn't get a good start. He got stuck behind um, Jack and Mark and didn't ruin his race, of course, because he got on the podium, but it hindered it. Um, so, yeah, I think the nail on the head is qualifying. They just, once they figure that out um, and can start qualifying consistently on the front two rows, um, then I think we'll see a different Suzuki because... There's no doubt they've got the pace. Alex and John on the day, uh, two of the best riders on the grid. Um, but yeah, it's literally just qualifying. And obviously we don't know the answer. Suzuki is still trying to find the answer. Um, and hopefully they do because we all like John and Alex. I think they're top guys and really, really fast as well. And put them in the mix with in a race like that with Fabio and, jo- uh, Fabio and Pecco. And we've got a proper good race in our hands. So, okay. yeah, literally Especially just qualified. Especially because they're such different styles, aren't they? If you look at, like, sort of last year's top two and then Juan, obviously, he was the champion the year before. It's like going into the final lap with those three, it's like Peko's <laughs> just the unflustered <laughs> poet at the front. Yeah, Fabio's probably expecting to choose his moment and then try and make that break. And then Juan's just willing to throw everything at it up whatever yeah. apex offers him the chance uh, we really need to see a race between those three i mean and then if you add in mark as the season goes yeah. on if we could get the four of them it's just be yeah. absolute war uh so <laughs> in the best way but yeah it's, um <laughs> definitely hope that everyone can kind of get that because it was a pretty crazy gap that fabio and pecker yeah. had in Jerez, wasn't it uh, but Ten i don't think what, yeah what do we think we i don't think we're going to see quite the same in Le Mans. obviously weather depending but i don't think they're gonna yeah. have quite that on the field at le mans yeah well le mans one of those where it kind of just always throws a cat amongst the pigeons doesn't it, it either rains or someone pulls off some <laughs> performance that you don't expect so uh yeah le mans are going to be a difficult one but we know that fabio is pretty good there in the dry um so hopefully it stays dry where fabio is concerned but it's it's going to be it's le mans it's a lottery every year you know you never know what's going to happen I thought you were about to say it's Le Mans, it's a lost cause. I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, it is. It's a lottery, isn't it? For sure, with that weather. And for us, obviously, you know, all from the same country, it takes a little bit of heat off when it also rains in France. So we don't mm. just get the jokes about Silverstone. Yeah, yeah it's nice, they exactly. are usually where it always happens. We've covered <laughs> every fact, you know, haven't we, guys? And there was nothing else for you to talk about from the Hareth test. Um, so yeah, I think we should probably. Do you have anything else you'd like to to add to the pot? No, I don't think so. We've could have covered <laughs> everyone pretty much everything like they're ready. <laughs> um, uh, well, our final thing then is we asked the chat. Well, our dear admin asked the chat yeah. uh, whether 
everyone watching thinks that Mr. Gorse is a professional rider, uh-huh. uh, the options were yes or no. Uh, shall we see what the answers are? I don't you know can if give we've it a go, but if I've yet. got sense, I know what the answer will be. I think I can see the answers <laughs> on the phone. To be fair, you already know the answer because you are, in fact, Jack Ghost. Yes, so yes, I am So you certainly know the truth. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so go on, Jack, put us out what, of misery. Are you a I mean, professional rider I, or not? I am professional at crashing, yes, absolutely. Right, yeah, I, I crash with the best of them, but no, I am definitely not a professional rider. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm really sorry, but everyone could tell. Six yeah, I, know. Six so, I mean, if I was a professional rider, I wouldn't be working here. I'd, I'd be yeah, he wouldn't be sat behind us, would he? Oh, yeah. I mean, that hurts. But yeah, for everyone who can see, Jack behind, me and Elliot are in commentary booths next to each other. Yeah. And yes. then Jack is. Uh, I'm in the lovely IPF gallery, gallery down here in Barcelona. <laughs> you so, you, this you is run where... the world there. Exactly, yeah, it's where the action happens on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, right. Well, thank you very much, obviously, to Jack and to Elliot as ever. Uh, and thank you to everyone who joined us on Twitch for the live stream. Hope you enjoyed it. If you do have any questions uh, or anything you want to get in touch about, use the hashtag GP podcast and we'll have a look through those, uh, including if you want to yell at Jack for anything he said about the factories, if you disagree, no problem. Yeah, we can pass do. that all on. Head to the um, <laughs> but oh, yeah, yes, that is that. a good plug. On Facebook, Mr. Ghost is the uh, main admin of the MotoGP Tech Facebook group where you can see a bit more detail on all of the stuff that we've talked about today, especially pictures that, like I said, even the likes of me can see the difference. Uh, <laughs> so great resource there to either enjoy your passion for the tech that we see in MotoGP or also to learn a bit more about it. And uh, yeah, I think that's all for now. Thank you very much for joining us here. Hope you enjoyed in audio form as well. Uh, sorry that you couldn't see the swan gesture that we made for the KTM thing. Uh, that's, that'll teach you. Come back onto the video stream next time out. Uh, thanks very much, guys. And uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you, friends. See you later. Bye, guys.